ultimately what we do is like exactly like what you said, lay out the plan to be able to say, if we keep investing like this, we'll have pay minimal in tax and you know, kind of maximize the outcomes in terms of building wealth. Welcome to the Wealthy Mind podcast hosted by Alex Kolodinko and a good friend of mine, business partner Ashish Sanan. We are two immigrants who've come from humble beginnings to work in the Silicon Valley high-tech industry for many years, only to realize that we were trading our time for money on W-2 jobs in corporate America. Being laid off, downsized several times, watching our stock market portfolio lose significant value during each recession, paying high taxes was very frustrating. But we always knew there was a way out. Through a passionate belief in growth wealth mindset, we took massive action, started investing in commercial real estate and left our high-tech careers to build passive income with syndication investments. And now we help others like you to learn, grow and build life on your own terms. Hi everyone, welcome to the Wealthy Mind Investment Show. I have uh, another guest today. Uh, we are going to have a pleasure of uh, uh, connecting with Billy Wither. He is an enrolled agent who specializes in advanced tax strategies for high net investors, individuals, and specifically real estate investors. We all know that uh, real estate has many different uh, tax advantages. Uh, he is based uh, out of Colorado. Uh, he's been doing it for a while. He uh, also speaks about taxation at different uh, summits. Uh, in fact, he has one that he does, uh, I believe, nationally, correct? Uh, uh, so uh, welcome to the show, uh, Billy. Please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about you and how the heck did you get started with this uh, uh, learning and ultimately helping many people uh, uh, with uh, uh, tax strategies in real estate? Yeah, thank you for having me. So, you know, I started my career in accounting um, a little over 12 years ago. And, you know, kind of coming out of the bat, I, I worked for a real estate specific tax and accounting firm. It was right around when they released the tangible property regulations, which is uh, which was kind of crucial to defining how depreciation is, um, um, you know, should be carried out according to the IRS. But there was a lot of uncertainty and unclarity before that time. And so, you know, to answer your question, when I came in to the, to, to a, you know, in the real estate world, learning all of those different ways to maximize depreciation because the new rules were coming out, it was just so fascinating to me to see, you know, the power of real estate investing for my clients at that time. Um, from that experience, I went and worked for another real estate specific tax and accounting firm and kind of grew it from you know, what it was to a much larger operation, but, you know, the whole time helping real estate investors along the way. And so I've just become really passionate about leveraging real estate to, you know, uh, as, as a strategy to increase your wealth while minimizing your taxes. And um, I, uh, to that end, I started my own firm a little over a year ago, uh, still dedicated to helping real estate investors and uh, high net worth individuals maximize their uh, tax outcomes by by minimizing it through real estate. So, excellent. Yeah, th thank you for, for sharing. So, it's no secret that uh, a lot of people. In fact, there is this uh, uh, phrase that ninety percent of millionaires credit real estate uh, uh, for their wealth, but not everybody knows that uh, specifically. This is mostly is due to not only appreciation but to taxes. A lot of people find it. 
a little bit confusing with this tax deferral, tax uh, depreciation, all of these tax perks and benefits. Maybe you could somehow simplify that for us, especially for people that are high net worth individuals that primarily invest in the stock market. Maybe they have been doing it for a while, that they've had uh, some of them have amazing success, some of them have limited success because it's a very volatile. Uh, type of vehicle that does not have as much tax benefit as, th- as real estate. So maybe you could tell us a little bit more. How are these high net in- individuals are uh, are contributing uh, to uh, so, so much success to real estate? How are they taking advantage of that? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and one of my favorite quips is, if you have $50,000 to invest, you could put it in the stock market in a brokerage account that $50,000 will you know, appreciate through the stock values going up and it will also return you dividends. Both of those events are gonna be taxable with very few opportunities to offset that taxable income, unless you're talking about losing money, for example, a depreciating, you know, depreciation in the stock. Versus real estate, you're, you're not investing in portfolio income like the stock market, you're investing in a business and businesses are afforded more deductions than, um, you know, the the stock market. So you're able to kind of leverage that and plan around that to kind of minimize your income. You know, when when you invest in real estate, if you take that same $50,000 and invest in real estate, the income is shielded by, you know, depreciation deductions among many other deductions. And while that real estate asset appreciates, you're able to, you know, use those deductions to minimize your taxable income along the way. Now, of course, when you go to sell that real estate asset, there is, you know, capital gains taxes you have to pay at that point down the line but the beauty of that is you could go reinvest in another real estate business continue to make money but offset your taxes with the you know kind of paper losses that real estate affords so while those while that capital gain exit event generates maybe minimal or no taxable income again when you sell your appreciated stock that's always going to be taxable income so i think that's a really good way to kind of separate the two uh, to, to show the advantage of investing in real estate is because there's a lot more ways to get around that tax hit versus investing in the stock market. Dividends and stock appreciation are pretty much always going to be taxable unless you want to, you know, lose money and and, and sell depreciated stock. Yes, uh, you're absolutely correct. And I think this is the biggest uh, uh, difference. I mean, obviously you have to do a, a homework and due diligence on the investment and sell. Hopefully it's a winner. But when it comes to liquidation, I think a lot of people don't, don't want to sell their stock uh, is because they're afraid of a big uh, capital gain. Uh, and the difference uh, is such when it comes to real estate, you could design a strategy in a such a way to pay zero taxes and defer that capital gain uh, altogether. And it's it's been a game changer you know, for me, and this is how I was able to leave my uh, corporate job eventually. Uh, essentially, I was investing in the stock market for many, many years, and I've had some wins and losses like everybody else. And at one point I realized uh, I need to build some some income, uh, efficient tax income that either I pay zero taxes or I can at least defer my uh, capital gains. Let's talk about some of these advanced topics that some people might not be super familiar with. Uh, let's say you're you know, high-wage W2 income earner. Uh, how can they adv- uh, take advantage of a bonus depreciation? They cannot deduct this against the W2 income, correct? 
Generally speaking, yes. Uh, in certain situations, if you have uh, you know a spouse that's a real estate professional, um, potentially can do that. But to, for the vast majority of investors, the the benefits of bonus depreciation, which we'll define here in a second, is that, like we said, if you have other passive income for you, you can leverage the passive losses from bonus depreciation to offset that income and minimize your tax liability. So bonus depreciation is a provision where, you know, whenever you buy an asset, you're able to depreciate it. It basically is a paper loss that accounts for, you know, the wear and tear and use of that asset. But bonus depreciation is a special provision that says in the first year, you can write off a significant amount of depreciation over and above the, you know, the the normal 5, 15 year, 39 year horizon that you need to depreciate the asset. Um, and so again, what that allows you to do is say, you know, if you buy an asset like a piece of real estate, you do a cost segregation study to get a large amount of bonus depreciation deductions in the first year and say that's able to afford you $50,000 in, in deductions. You can't write it off your W-2 high wage income, but you can write it off your other passive income. For example, if you're invested in, you know, a car wash or another real estate asset that's generating taxable income, all that, all those passive income numbers net together on your tax return to offset one another before you're ultimately hit with a tax bill um, at the at the end of it. So it's nice to be able to say, I'm gonna invest to get these large bonus depreciation deductions to offset my other streams of passive income, even if you can't write it off your W-2 income specifically. And on top of that, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, last time I was checking the tax code, even though you cannot offset uh, uh, your income maybe in, in the year that you're receiving them, you could still do that because they're deferred. You could do yes. that next year uh, or any time before ultimately the capital gain, which is a sale. Exactly, yeah. So, so what you're referring to is the passive activity losses and passive activity losses carry forward indefinitely until you need them. So what you could do is buy a real estate asset this year, take a large you know, bonus depreciation deduction from that, and then it'll carry forward to future years when you actually either stabilize that multifamily asset or go buy more real estate or other passive streams of income, you could still be receiving taxable income from one investment and then still have losses from the other investment offsetting that income. So again, just really powerful to be able to say, I have all this cash flow coming in and none of it or most of it is not taxable. So how is it possible, maybe you can, again, simplify this, because I think a lot of new investors uh, specifically are not clear. How can you uh, generate uh, cash flow that is tax efficient, tax, tax free? Yes, uh, in my opinion, the best thing to do, at least starting out, is to invest in a multifamily asset. Like I said, going back to my original example, if you have 50,000 to put away, you can put it in the stock market where we know, you know, the, the cash flow from that dividends appreciation potentially is going to be taxable income to you. Or you can invest in a multifamily asset that $50,000 might start passing back, you know, distributions of, say, maybe a couple hundred dollars a month. But because of all the bonus depreciation you took up front, that cash flow is not going to be taxable until the, the, the income, you know, exceeds that initial paper loss. Yes, uh, and, and you know, multifamily is one of the examples. Uh, there's there's other asset classes as well. In fact, you know, uh, last year we launched ATM fund, 
uh, that allowed 80% of the bonus depreciation with a very high monthly cash flow distribution of anywhere between one to $2,000 projected returns on a monthly basis. And it just if you just think about that, you know, on a $100,000 investment, you're getting 80% or potentially even 100% uh, if the law uh, change uh, pass uh, will uh, take effect. You know, hopefully that's true. And you're not able to pay any taxes on the income you receive until you hit the threshold of $80,000. Exactly. That, that's another great example um, where, where those alternative assets also come into play, if those make sense for you too. So what we like to do is say, you know, let's diversify. Let's have a little bit of multifamily. Yeah. Let's have a little bit in the ATM fund um, and kind of, you know, getting it spread across some asset classes. And of course, you know, ideally you have enough money that you're also in the stock market. But again, it's what exposure do I have here? Do I, If I put it all in the stock market, that's going to be taxed more heavily than spreading out between passive income streams, uh, such as real estate and other in investments and versus just the stock market. Very true. And as an investor, you know, I, I can't agree more with you is it's important that you build a sort of a war chest and your diversified portfolio because different asset classes. You know, I, I've invested in more than uh, 60 syndications now, and some of them have gone bad. Some of them I lost the uh, entire principle. Unfortunately, it happens now. Some of them I have doubled or in fact tripled my investment. And I think it's very important as you build this slowly over time that you diversify in different asset classes. Some of them become your favorite. Some of them you become an expert uh, and you know more versus the other. But ultimately, end of the day, you just don't know what the market is going to hold. I mean, look where we are. Interest rates are so high. Uh, there's a lot of delinquencies. Uh, rent uh, growth is not as high as before. I know it's temporary because ultimately, uh, things will stabilize and recover, interest rates will probably come down, all of that. But I think we're all in agreement that it's important that you have multiple income streams and you need to think ahead. You need to think ahead about the stock strategy before you invest. I think a lot of people kind of ignore this topic, kind of delay, think it's not important. It is very important that you have a strategy in mind even before you invest so you know what to expect. You can build your plan in a such a way that depends on your goal and the desires, either build enough passive income stream to retire early, to leave your corporate job, to supplement your W-2 job if you're happy with it. Everybody is, is different. Uh, now, let's switch gears a little bit uh, uh, about the bonus depreciation. There is some talk that it will go back to 100%. Is that correct? Why is it so important? Yeah, so that's a, a good <clears throat> question. It's, 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 so before 2017, 2018, we had 50% bonus depreciation, meaning that if you bought a $10,000 asset that qualifies for bonus depreciation, you could write off 5,000. Then they changed the laws a couple years ago to say, and you know, you, going forward, you can just write off 100% of that bonus depreciation, but they put a sunset on it, meaning that in 2023, they switched it to 80% of a write-off. In 2024, it became 60% of a write-off on and on down to 0%. So um, they're talking about bringing it back to 100% because I think they kind of realized that it's been such a good tool for businesses to be able to say, of these personal property assets that I can write off, so the five-year property, the 15-year property, 
we can immediately write that off and and that's a good thing for the economy you know it stimulates the economy business owners are willing to invest because they know they're going to recoup their investment in, immediately in terms of tax deductions um, and then with it slowing down to 80 percent and then 60 percent um, i think there's kind of uncertainty as of what that will do to the economy going forward because um, we, we've people got kind of used to that over the last four or five years whatever it was and um, I think that Congress and ultimately the president the president want to lay claim to you know having that benefit for um, you know their voters and of course all their constituents uh, to, to be able to say you know if, if you're going to buy a ten thousand dollar asset just write it off in the first year that's going to give a lot more opportunities and business owners a lot more flexibility to say i want to make that investment this year rather than um you know only getting 40 percent or 20 percent of a write-off in future years so hopefully it will go back to 100 because this year it's planned to be decreased to 60 percent which is exactly dropped to 100 where we were a few years ago now uh, you know there's not a lot of deals uh, happening right now in the investment world, specifically in real estate, again, because of the high interest rate. But there are some deals uh, out there. There are some opportunistic plays. You know, there are some discounts that are popping up. There are some distressed uh, properties. But uh, as an investor, as a, a high net worth individual investor, as you evaluate in different options, you know, from a task, specifically from a tax uh, uh, strategy perspective, what are the top questions, maybe top three, that you recommend to investors that they ask uh, either the sponsor of themselves uh, as they evaluate these deals? So the top questions I would ask, certainly number one is track record. You know, I was speaking with somebody who does alternative investments and they said that they never have exited a deal yet. So even though they're saying this is, you know, a, a really good opportunity and I would agree with them, we don't know exactly how they can handle the disposition because they don't really have a track record yet. Um, the next question I would ask is, is going to be strictly based on your goals. So hopefully you have some kind of understanding of, you know, do I need these bonus depreciation deductions? Am I looking for a more stable investment or uh, a higher cash flowing investment? And then ask those questions accordingly, which would be, hey, are you going to be doing a cost segregation study in the event of a multifamily property? Uh, we haven't explained yet, but a cost segregation study is something that allows you to generate more bonus depreciation. Um, by categorizing the asset into different components. So again, if that if you need a lot of deductions this year, maybe you have some streams of passive income that are you know plentiful, or that you are um, you know exiting in another deal. For example, the the multifamily that you own is selling this year, um, and you need those deductions to offset the taxable income. Knowing whether or not they're going to have a cost segregation study performed, or if they're investing in a lot of uh, personal property assets like ATMs is going to be crucial for you to understand as well. Excellent. Excellent. The, 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 these are really good questions. You know, the track record is very important. There's a lot of people out there that do a really good job in selling and marketing, but you have to wonder, you know, will you go to a surgeon who is doing this for the first time? Uh, and I, you know, Personally speaking, I don't feel comfortable doing that. So I think it's important that you look at the track record and check the references. In fact, in our case, we do very thorough job in due diligence in vetting out these operators. And even at that time, just because you have a good tracker doesn't mean, unfortunately, that you're going to get a good outcome. In, in fact, some bad operators 
some good operators, I should say, with amazing track record, sometimes they underperform. Uh, sometimes certain investments are, are going bad, but at least they've done this before. They have a system in place. They've tried and failed uh, in the past. In fact, if you've been around the block for a while in real estate, if you don't have a bad deal, that means you actually have not been around the block long enough because uh, there's been a lot of uh, turbulence uh, in, over the long time in the real estate investing world. Uh, and uh, I think it's important to remain, uh, to, to keep the long-term perspective at the, the, the same time. Ask yourself, just like what you said, what, what is your goal? Is your goal to have a, a high cash flow? Is your investment goal is uh, to have capital preservation? Is a tax efficient uh, type of uh, investment? Uh, you know, for example, in the ATM fund, there was zero leverage uh, uh, at all. There is no uh, bank exposure to interest rates at all. Now there is no appreciation. Uh, so some people actually need to have tax benefits and a cash flow. On the other hand, some of these deals are a lot riskier. You know, speaking of multifamily, let, let's say you're considering a development, new development, uh, a building. Uh, this is a higher upside. You know, maybe you hit a home run of 25, 30% IRR return, but the risks are high. Usually these projects go, uh, as you know, uh, probably over budget. Sometimes the time horizon uh, stretches, uh, 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 but you have to take that into consideration. Uh, what are the things uh, uh, that uh, investors should be aware of specifically between now, maybe uh, uh, during the tax season, that maybe the common mistakes uh, uh, the investors and high individuals make that they don't take advantage of that you see over the years? Yeah, I actually have two things to keep in mind. So the first one, you mentioned having a, a plan, you know, for, for your tax strategy, you know, a little bit farther horizon. You can do some mini tax planning for yourself between now and April 15th um, by looking at your, you know, picking up your 2022 tax return and looking at Form 8582. Form 8582 is where all of your passive losses are calculated. So if you have a large passive loss from, on your 2022 tax return, you kind of know already that, you know, if you have a, a good amount of passive income coming in, your tax bill is going to be mitigated by those previous year's passive losses. And then that'll allow you to know, okay, April 15th, should, should I be expecting a large bill or should I, you know, maybe be, you know, kind of insulated with your passive losses. You can pick up that form on your previous tax return and have a general idea of what you should be preparing for. Also uh, along that vein, you know, April 15th comes and goes, you may not have all of your K-1s. The other piece of advice that also kind of goes along with this is, I would not rush to file your tax return, especially not this year, and I'll get to that in a second, but I would not rush to file your tax return without all of the K-1s that you're expecting from your passive investments. You know, extending is totally okay, but extending, you have to keep in mind that your tax bill is due on April 15th. So again, pick up your 2022 tax return, see what your passive activity losses look like. And if you think that you know, you have enough passive losses to insulate yourself from all of your passive income. You can extend on April 15th with without having to sweat your tax bill too much, wait for those K-1s to come in, and then ultimately file once you have everything. That's a much better outcome than filing too soon and then having to amend. And then, like I said, this year is going to make sense to extend a lot more 
because of that pending bonus depreciation legislation, you're, you're, you know, eight, the difference between 80% and 100% bonus depreciation could be significant for you. And so, yeah. you know, so significant that it makes sense to wait till the ink is dry, wait till everybody's tax return software updates with the new legislation, and then file that tax return if it happens to be after April 15th. It's better to file again the first time correctly than amending later on down the line if, if something were to change. So those would be my kind of two and a half, three recommendations. Yeah. And, and you know, I can't emphasize this uh, enough. Again, the, the carryover component of this suspend, or sometimes they're called suspended passive losses, right? I think a lot of people, when they start investing in real estate, they start to understand a little bit bless you, uh, uh, these passive losses, but they don't fully comprehend the long-term goal of this. And the reason why I'm saying that, I see a lot of people in the beginning when they start uh, investing, maybe they do one investment and they say, you know what, I'm just going to wait and see how this performs, uh, which you could do that. But think about this. If you are building a diversified portfolio, you're not investing in one vehicle. You need right. to have several because ultimately, you don't know which ones will exit sooner and have a produced outcome. And plus, you need to have an option to, to offset your gains. How right. are you going to do that with one investment? It's very difficult. Right? Exactly. So, uh, the, the... I encourage everyone you know, to really uh, consult uh, with an expert uh, such as yourself to build a plan, to build a strategy. In my case, you know, I've had some uh, personal experience. I've read a lot of books. But nevertheless, even I started engaging with the CPA and the tax strategies such as yourself is to build a plan, to validate my thoughts. I think a lot of times we think we know where we're going. We think we got it all, but it doesn't hurt to consult with somebody who is actually a professional who is doing this for a living. So tell us more about what does this involve in a, in a, uh, advanced tax strategy? What, what does it exactly mean? What's the process like? Yeah, so the way that we work is we um, bring you on board and get a solid understanding of where you're at currently and what your goals are and where you want to go. Um, so, you know, for somebody who has a couple passive investments and they're not really sure what their next move should be, we get a solid understanding of where all of your assets are and kind of like you just said, what those time horizons are. If we have a couple deals exiting next year, you know, do we have enough passive losses in place to insulate ourselves from that? Um, we also, you know, specifically since we're in real estate, we also explore, you know, what other hard assets uh, can we acquire? Because we think the best way approach is, like you said, in, in diversification, having a couple of your own hard assets that you control versus, you know, investing passively. You can really get those two working together. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and utilize those passive activity losses or perhaps start your journey as a real estate professional if that's, you know, something that uh, might be on the table for you and, um, and, and, and leverage that into a, a better outcome to minimize those tax bills going forward um, while you're building in, in your, your wealth journey. Uh, we see a lot of success working with, you know, uh, not only highly compensated uh, real estate agents who are already, you know, going to be real estate professionals when they self-manage those hard assets, but also something like pilots. Pilots can only work a thousand hours a year, so they're able to actually be real estate professionals themselves if they can wow. prove that they're real estate in, in real estate a thousand and one hours per year. And how do you do that? You do that through managing your own assets. And again, you're diversifying, right? You don't go hard 
on buying all the, all these, you know, single family homes. You just buy a couple so that you can qualify for the strategy and then go invest in alternative assets and, and, you know, specifically other real estate, but all of your real estate can be grouped together as a real estate professional, allowing you to really utilize losses this year to offset your income and then build that income in, in future years through capital gains. So, um, we have a lot of fun. We, we go a lot of different directions based on everybody's unique situations and individual, um, uh, you know, goals. But uh, ultimately what we do is like exactly like what you said, lay out the plan to be able to say, if we keep investing like this, we'll have a minimal in tax and, you know, kind of maximize the outcomes in terms of building wealth. No, th th this is great. And if you're listening to this, I hope you start uh, uh, understanding this, that you, you, you cannot take this lightly. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of dollars, potentially, you can either defer, take advantage of some of these uh, advanced strategies. I just learned something new about the pilots, because if you think about it, that's true. In order to become real estate professional, uh, uh, you, you have to qualify for that, right? It has to be your main uh, source of uh, income and activities, and, and I, I've planned this uh, for many years. I've been working in the corporate world for many years and uh, investing on part-time basis while I still did not qualify. But at one point, I started to design a strategy, kind of my uh, exit, <laughs> exit from the rat race. It took me a little bit of a while to get out, to get out but uh, it, it's very important that you plan that. That you you have a step one, you have a step two, and then you, it's all about the execution uh, from from then on. The, 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 this is great. Uh, uh, I guess we're, we're about to uh, wrap up uh, this interview. Uh, any kind of a parting ways or anything that uh, uh, that you recommend that investors uh, start looking into between now and maybe the tax season or even before the end of the year. I think. Kind of like you said, having a plan is is so crucial. And that's not only what I do, but also, like I said, you can do some planning yourself, looking at your passive activity losses, and then just keeping your ear to the ground on this bonus depreciation legislation. You know, if that if that for some reason doesn't path, pass, you should have a very different plan on where your you know next dollars are going to be invested as compared to if it does pass and we get kind of the same old as, as the last few years where we've had a 100% bonus depreciation. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, like you said, going back to the questions of what you're asking, you know, the sponsors of whatever deals you're investing in, if they're buying certain assets that it made sense at 100% bonus depreciation, but maybe doesn't make sense at 60% bonus depreciation, that's going to be a, a big differentiating factor on where you should invest next compared to if it's back at 100% bonus depreciation. Um, because there's, there's certain, even if you break down multifamily, um, you know, some people, like you said, ground up construction, that's going to be probably less deductions than somebody doing value add. Um, so, so again, it just makes sense to, to get a plan together, whether that's, you know, with professionals like, like me, or just doing more research, self-research, like you said, you were able to start out with uh, getting a plan together for how you should invest the rest of the year is going to pay dividends down the line. I think the worst thing that you can do, thank you for uh, sharing that, is by the time the tax season comes around, all of a sudden you have a big tax bill. Surprise! I mean, you have options. Nobody, no, 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 nobody have forced you to pay the tax. There are some strategies out there that you can reach out to ask for help. A lot of us uh, sometimes we're in our own head. 
way too much, <laughs> instead of validating and openly ask uh, uh, for help to design that strategy, and you will be pleasantly surprised with the outcomes uh, that you will receive. Uh, well, uh, very good. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Billy, for taking the time to connect and sharing uh, some of that. Uh, we're actually going to be planning a, a webinar. Maybe uh, we can have a, a live Q&A as well. But it's been a pleasure. I learned something new uh, from you uh, as well. And I think you're uh, sharing your contact information uh, uh, on, on the screen with us in case somebody is interested to take uh, the next step, uh, which they can reach out to you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And you can always check our website, www.summitats.com, uh, to learn more about how we can help. Excellent. Uh, thank you so much, Billy. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Wealthy Mind podcast. We hope the content today filled your mind and your heart with the desire to build the life you deserve. If you haven't done so already, Please do us a favor and kindly like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future impactful episodes. If you like what you heard and want to see more Wealthy Mind content and be notified about upcoming passive investment opportunities, please visit our website at www.wealthymindinvestments.com and join our investor club. You can also follow us on social media channels as we are on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Thank you for your time and happy investing.